0: Somebody read. Could you lay a hand on the word of god this morning and ask the holy spirit to speak to us hallelujah Hallelujah. shall we pray oh lord we thank you this morning for bringing each of us here we thank you for the word of god this morning we thank you for the power of the word of god Hallelujah. hallelujah the word that is faster than light Faster than sound. The word that runneth swiftly. The word that is able to heal. The word that is able to convict. The word that is able to open the hearts of God's people. This morning, we pray that that word will shine forth. May we receive illumination from your word this morning. May we receive the power of your word this morning. Anoint your servant this morning. We come asking for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Praise the Lord for everyone. I know a a good group of our assembly is attending the APC conference. We'll pray for them, that the Lord visit them. And the Lord will bring them back safely. This morning, for our thought... The Holy Spirit has put it in my mind to speak from this portion. Romans chapter 8. Romans is the letter that Apostle Paul writes to the church which is in Rome. He's never been there. This is not a church that he's been to before and he's establishing contact. The whole Uh, The whole book is leading to an expansion of verses 16 and 17 from chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. And we read, continuing there, that herein is the righteousness of God. Meaning the gospel is the righteousness of God. And he expands that whole book. Out of that main substantive word from 16 and 17. And we have come to the most beautiful and precious chapters in the Bible. And it is this chapter that which this morning the Holy Spirit will help us to understand. And when we come here, we come to see what we just read. Apostle Paul, after talking about the sufferings and the groanings, Of the spirit. He comes to a portion. And he starts off. By saying. And we. Know. And we. Know. This morning say. We know. There is no doubt. There is no ambiguity. Apostle Paul. Begins to state. For us. Five undeniable, unshakable convictions about God. And this morning, the Holy Spirit wants us to understand it. Five unshakable convictions about God that we know. Number one, and we know that God is a working God. What kind of God is he? He's a God who is working. All things work together for good. Our God is a working God. You may not see his hand that is working, but Apostle Paul says, and we know, and we know that our God is a working God. This morning, I want to tell you You may not see the hand of God, but I'm telling you, He is working. The very fact that you are here is the fact that to know that He is working. And I love the Steve Green song that says, He's still working on me. Your God, my God, number one, an unshakable conviction about your God that you can know is one, He is a working God. Not only does he state that he's a working God, God is working for good. Number two, not only is he working, all things work together for good. Your God is not only working, but he's working together for the good. Can you say that? Can you believe that? Can you get some? I know you all had breakfast this morning. This is the presence of God. God. God is working and God is working for good, number two. He is working for good because he's a good God. His works are all expressions of his goodness. Everything that we see of the creation of God are expressions of his goodness. And everything that we have received is from God. God is a giver and so everything he does is good. God is at work, number one. Number two, God is working for good. Number three, he says, and we know that all things work together for good. Number three, God is working. God is working together for good. And God is working for good in all things. Number three. The unshakable conviction of God is that whatever he does, He's not only is he working, not only is he good, but he is for good in all things. Things may seem negative and it may not seem to have a positive effect in the exec, but in the execution of God's eternal plan. God is working for good in all things. In all things. God is working for good. And so, Apostle Paul puts this together. And I have stated, number one, God is at work. God is working for good. God is working not only for good, but he's working for good in all things. As believers, I want to say that God, what may seem as if it's not good, God is able to turn everything that is not good to good. Number four, not only is he working in all things for good, but there he says, all things work together for good to them that love God. Here, Apostle Paul puts a clause. He puts a limitation and he says, it's to those who love him, the beneficiaries of god's goodness, here he classifies and pricks it as says it is to those who love him. Notice Romans is a book where he talks more about god's love. It is an expansion and an understanding for everyone to see. Wow, the expansion and the greatness of god's love. we read this morning God's servant read this morning for While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. The extension of God's love we see all throughout. And we come to understand that nothing is beyond his overarching, overending scope of his providence. Nothing. Not only is he at work. Not only is he working for good. Not only, number three, is he working for good in all things. But he is working for good to them that love him. Finally, the fifth unshakable conviction that we see right there is, he works for good in all things to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. This morning, that is something that each of us must understand. That it is not just that he loves us, or that we love him, and he works for good in all things to those who love him, and are called according to his purpose. This morning, you and I are privileged that we are called according to his purpose. And after talking about These five unshakable convictions about God. And he says, we know. Number one, we know that God is at work. Number one. Number two, we know that God is at work for good. Number three, we see that God is at work for good in all things. Number four, we know that God is good to work for good in all things to them that love God. And five, to them that are called according to his purpose. So when you walk out of here, you should know what the holy spirit spoke to you and then as he speaks about it he then declares five affirmations five affirmations about God's good and saving purpose let's look at that quickly and let's expand on that this morning number one for whom he did for no yes It is understanding the five unshakable convictions. He goes about the affirmations of God's masterful saving good and saving purpose. He says that he foreknew. Yes, he foreknew. Number two, he predestined. Number three, he called. Number four, he justified. And number five, He glorified. After talking about each of them, he begins to say about these affirmations, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. After then he says, to him who predestinate, he has so called. Them he also called, he justified. To them he justified, he also glorified. Five affirmations that Apostle Paul begins to speak about of the saving purpose and grace of God. This morning, after saying that, I want to focus on verse 32. Just before that, he says, after saying that, he says, now what shall we say then to these things? What shall we say to these things? After saying all that, he says, now what else is there to say? He says, if God is for us. If God is for us, who can be? Who can be against us? He begins to declare to you that God is for you. That everything that in the past, that you were a sinner, you are saved by grace. And then he says, but now, he says because of God's grace, he is not against you. He is for you. And then he begins to talk about How we know that God is for us and not against us. And that is what the Holy Spirit wants me to expand on this morning with the limited time that I have. Let's look at that verse one more time. Can somebody read it in English for us? Everybody close their Bibles, right? 832. Yeah. He who did not spare his son... Yes. Praise the Lord. Such a beautiful word. Such a beautiful word. Look at this. He that spared not his own son. Who is the he that Apostle Paul is talking about? It is from if God is for us. Who can be against us? And then he says, he. The reference to the he is God. He's talking about God. And he's saying, he who did not spare his son. The Bible talks about a God who spared not the world of Noah's day. Because it was a world where every imagination of the thought of man's heart was only evil. And then Paul later on talks about a God who spared not the natural branches but delivered them up. And then we read about a God who spared not the angels when they rebelled against God. But here, here Apostle Paul speaks about a God not sparing his son. Not sparing his son, he is referring to his only begotten son. The one who was in the bosom of the father, the one who was in heaven, arrayed with the glory of God. The one of whom he said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so he lays that, and he says, he that spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. A few years ago, a man of God got up in front of his church and he asked this question and he, in his message, who it was that killed Jesus? And in the response of this Bible study, people said it was the Jews. Some people said it was the Romans. Then the man of God looked into the eyes of the people And the man of God said, it was the father who delivered him up. Yes, here we see that God did not spare him, but he gave him up. He did hand over his son for the most worst possible suffering that you can think of. Friend, the knife of God's divine wrath was plunged into the heart of God's only son. The flames of judgment were put and laid upon him. The sin and the iniquity of mankind was put upon him. The Bible says Judas handed him over. The Bible says that Pilate handed him over. The Bible says Herod handed him over. The Bible talks about the Jewish people and even the Gentiles handed him over. It even says that Jesus Handed himself over. But Paul here is saying the ultimate thing in verse 32. Something that it's very hard for every father or every parent to understand. And it is in and behind and beneath through all these human acts. That God was handing his son to death. Yes, this Jesus was delivered up to the definitive plan of God. Handing his son to death. In Judas, in Pilate, in Herod, and the crowds. Yes, God himself handed over his son. Friends, nothing ever happened so great and nothing ever will. He became the object of God's divine wrath. And Christ also made himself to be surrendered. God, who spared not his own son. God, who spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. This morning, God's servant was speaking to us about the greatness of this table and the elements of this table. And it all reminds us of the greatness of the love of God and the triune act of God that was in that great sacrifice. That the father in his act of giving his only begotten son. That the son in his act gives himself of that great act. And surrenders to the obedience of the will of the father. And the Holy Spirit there to sustain him. In the suffering of this great, great sacrifice. God who did not spare his own son this morning. Can you understand and experience the heart of. Of God the Father. Isaiah says it more bluntly, if I may say so. He we esteemed him, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. It was the will of God to bruise him. He has put him to grief. In sounding the way Isaiah has spoken, it would seem that God was so cruel. I don't know exactly when when Paul was writing this. When Paul was writing this, did Paul ever think about another father who spared not his son? I don't know if that thought went through Apostle Paul's mind when he was writing about this. Because the whole Hebrew lineage came because of that one man named Abraham who spared not his son. But When the hand of God, when the hand of Abraham came towards his son, there the angel of God was sent to hold the knife back. When our Lord went to the cross, no knife was held. There was no ram in the thicket for the son of God. Rather, he was sent as a substitute. God the Father lifted his knife over the chest of his son and did not spare him because he was the ram. He was the substitute. This morning, you and I are here because of that great sacrifice. God laid his son on the altar as a perfect sacrifice god spared not his only son but delivered him up for us all how is that why would god do such a thing why would god resort to such a such a, such a thing the bible gives us the answer to that he delivered him up for us Oh. Why did God do that to his son? Apostle Paul answers that question by saying he delivered him up for us all. Apostle Paul expands on that by saying for our sake God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He was the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And God found his son as that lamb. Isaiah says why? Why God had to resort to such a measure? He says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Yes, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. This morning, can we understand the price that God had to pay in redeeming for us? God did not spare his own son because it was the only way he could spare us. Yes, my friend, God did not spare his son because it was the only way he could spare us. The guilt of our transgressions, the punishment of our sins, the curse of sin that would have brought us inescapably to the destruction of hell. But God did not spare his own son gave him up so that he would be wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities, and crucified for our sin. Since God did the hardest thing, since God did the greatest thing, he did not spare his own son. Apostle Paul continues to the last part of that verse to say, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. But as we went there, I wanted us to this morning feel the tension. What, do we want to, what does God want us to understand? Tension. Nobody likes tension. We all want to be free of tension. In fact, the minute you say tension, You all of a sudden, everybody feels, ah, tension, tension. Nobody wants tension. But there is a tension there that God wants us to see. That God did not spare his own son. And the phrase that he did not spare him. Yes, my friend. For you and for me, God chose to do such a thing. Coming back to the word of God. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not also freely give us all things? God will most assuredly and certainly, according to his word, exercise and act on that word to freely give us all things. God is a giver. I want to say it again. God is a giver and everything we have received is from God. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? When we read that word, what is the one thing that stands there glaring that we would like? Come on. Free. Free. What is it? I remember once walking into Heathrow Airport and I asked the gentleman, I said, sir, is there Wi-Fi here? The man looked at me like a stranger. He said, sir, you're in London. Nothing here is free. But here Apostle Paul says, how shall not he with him freely give us all things. And not only does the word of God exercise or tell us that it is free, what is the other nice word that's there? Come on. All. Isn't that wonderful? Boy, I'm saying this and you all don't have any excitement. But I see there's so much excitement within you just trying to contain it. And here it is, freely give us all things. What does that mean? What does that really mean? Yes, if God is for us, who is against us? And God is a giving God who gives liberally of what he has. No one can withhold the resources of God because the resources of God is endless. That when we, when people give to us, they become a loss. When people give to you, You will be a beneficiary. But they are at loss. But When God gives out of his storehouse. When God gives out of his abundance. He is never at loss. He is never at loss. His kingdom. His riches. Never are at loss. When he gives to you. In fact. Apostle Peter. Writing to the church. uh, Writing to the church. Or writing to us. Gives us an identity of understanding what it is that God has given us. 2 Peter chapter 1. Can you read that please? Verse 3. He helps us to understand what is it that we have received. That's good. Notice here. According as his divine power. Has once again. Apostle Paul says. I'm sorry. Peter says. Has given unto us. What things? All things. All things. God has. Given to us. And that pertain to. Life and. This morning, God is a God who shares. God is a God who gives. And you and I can catch hold of that word that says, He has given us everything that we need for life. Here and eternity. And for everything that we need for life godliness. How shall he not freely with him give us all things? Coming back to the heart of what Paul is saying. How shall he not also not just give you all things with? There is something else that comes there. With who? With him. How shall he not also with him? Before we go into the free Before we go into the all. God wants us to understand. Or the apostle writer wants us to understand. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things. There is nothing that you and I will ever experience as God's children. By God's grace. That will now turn out to be a benefit for you and for me. Because that's what it meant for God. And what that is something that he has freely dispensed to us. God, who spared not his only son, but gave him up for us all. This morning, understand the logic of heaven. See the logic of heaven. Here is a place to stand against all obstacles that God did not spare his own son. But he delivered him up for us all. Therefore, how much more will he not spare any effort? How much more will he not spare any effort to give us all that Christ died to purchase? All things, all good, and all bad working for our good. I want to say that again. The logic of heaven is, therefore, how much more will he not spare effort to give us all things? Or give us all that Christ died to purchase. All things. All good. All bad. Working for our good. Why? Because he spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. How shall he not with him give us all things? God did not spare Christ, but gave him up for us all. He will never keep anything back, but anything necessary for your good and anything needed for your good, his hand is ready to, ab- to provide. Can you close your eyes? Lord, this morning, We thank you for the love of God. Thank you once again for giving us a revelation of God's love. And as we walk out of this place, may we come to understand the greatness and the awesomeness of God's love. That all things work, that God is at work. That God is at work together for good. That God is at work together for good to them that love God in all things. And that God is at work to good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Because he is a God who spared not his only son. Thank you for making us beneficiaries. Receivers of God's grace. Thank you Lord for touching your people. Thank you, Lord, for touching, speaking to us through your word. This morning, if there's anyone here, Lord, who has not espoused, who has not been, who has not received that great and magnanimous love. This morning, we pray that they would experience the wonder and the beauty and the glory of God's love. We thank you in Jesus' name.